is uh, John the Baptist. And the guy with sort of the white scarf that came up is, is Jesus. And that's from the video that we've been showing clips of for the last uh, several weeks as we're in this, this uh, journey of looking at God's epic as we take a, just one big swoop through um, the scriptures. And um, that was on the History Channel uh, like in the spring. And again, it's a, a, if you haven't um, had a chance to watch it again, it's, it's, a, it's a good um, presentation of the the events of the scriptures, as much as you can, capture that in, in 10 hours. So again, you can buy it, uh, you can rent it, you can uh, um, go to the library and get it there, but it's just the Bible, um, the mini-series, and a great way to sort of see, oh, another way to, to see the big picture, to see these ancient words put in a mo- modern um, format. Now, um, so John the Baptist, uh, with the guy with the, the dreadlocks, was there. He was baptizing Jews. He was baptizing people who were worshiping the God of Abraham and Moses. You know, the, the two main characters that we looked at the last couple Sundays in Act 2 of our uh, God's epic, uh, the development of the, the nation of Israel. And uh, John is... The one now being brought on the scene to prepare the way to introduce the new main character. The main character. To introduce act three of this grand epic, which is Jesus. Who is the, the, the one sent from God. In a sense, in the same line of Abraham and Moses, this is now the, with a capital T, chosen one. And in the video, you, you might have heard, but as, as John the Baptist saw Jesus come, he, he called him Lord. He, he recognized him as the Lord, the, the Messiah, the chosen one of, of God. The, uh, and so therefore, beginning Act 3 of this epic. I mean, Israel now has gone through, I mean, this is you know, a thousand years you know, or more between Abraham and, and Jesus. But Israel now has, has delivered the one who is the savior of the world, the, the rescuer of the world. He is now the main character. And up to this point, we've been building up to this point. Abraham, Moses uh, were there to, to, to begin and to lead Israel uh, to this day of delivery of the Savior of the world. Now, our passage um, is actually just beyond the events we just uh, saw in the Gospel of John. Um, here it's uh, after the baptism, and, and John um, introduces Jesus to the world, John the Baptist. Now, important to note, there's John the Baptist, and then there's John the Apostle. Two different people. John the Baptist is the guy you saw with the dreads. Uh, John the Baptist, or John the Apostle, he comes on later. He's a character later. He's one of the guys that follows after Jesus and the author of both this gospel, a couple letters, and the book of Revelation. So, two different people, but the the same name. But as John the Baptist introduces Jesus to the world, um, in a sense, sort of, he's over the shock of the baptism that you saw then, and then is is continuing to introduce Jesus 
um, to us all. Uh, so it's uh, John chapter 1, starting with verse 29. Found on page 862 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, again, we thank you for these ancient words. And we ask now that your spirit would continue to prepare our heart, our soul, our mind to hear from you, to apply it in our lives, to receive what you would say to us in this moment. Speak to us. Continue to change us. Continue to transform us. We give ourselves to you for your purposes. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. John chapter 1, starting with verse 29. The next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage, I mean, is full. We could have a whole series just walking through this passage, but um, we can't. Some of the hardest things about uh, preaching from the Scriptures is really choosing what not to say. It's not choosing what to say. It's choosing what not. So there's a whole bunch I'm not going to say. Believe me. Um, you may doubt that. But believe me. Um, but what I really want to focus on here is, just G- is, is John's unique title that he gives to Jesus. You find it only in the two Johns, really. John the Baptist says it, and you find it in the, the, some of the books that John, the apostle, authored. When he tell, says, here is the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Here is the Lamb of God. Now, what exactly does that mean? You know, to call Jesus the Lamb of God. You know, think about people that are outside the church. You know, they just never heard any of these stories or sung any of these songs or anything like this. You know, what do you think they would think? about someone called the Lamb of God. Um, I, I remember in, in college, um, back, this is you know, eons ago, back when you went to write a letter, you had to type it on the computer and then print it out on a sheet of paper. And then you had to sign it. Then you had to fold it. Then you had to find an envelope and put it in. Then you had to lick it shut. Then you had to address it, put your return address in, put a stamp on it, and then finally take it to a mailbox. That was the old-fashioned way of communicating by letters instead of now just typing it up and hitting send. 
Well, I sent a letter um, to a friend of mine who was in my fraternity in, in college, and uh, we were talking, and my, my salutation at the day, you know, of, in that time was I would put in the lamb and then sign my name. You know, that was my you know, ending. And Pete, we called him Weedhead, he's now some big wig president, founder of some technology company out in California. But Weedhead wrote me back and said, what does in the lamb mean? Yeah, and I thought about, you know, we, he had no connection with the church. Was I becoming a butcher, you know, or <laughs> did I typo? Was I, you know, in trouble? Was I on the lamb, you know, or was I being a daredevil on the limb, you know? I mean, what exactly does on, does in the lamb mean? And uh, recently, in, in reading and preparing for this, a uh, college professor wrote how, in his Christian college, he asked, what does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God? And one of the major answers that people said, well, it's because Jesus is so kind and gentle and pure and soft and, and lovely and beautiful, you know, like a lamb would be. And you know, the only problem with that is, besides it being dead wrong, is that in the first century, lambs weren't pretty, cuddly, nice things. I mean, they were sort of ugly and dumb, and there was nothing sweet about them. But our precious moments presentation of Jesus with a lamb around his neck you know, has ruined that. That's not what this means to be the Lamb of God. But this is a great opportunity to do that in the midst of this series because there's a couple stories and events that have been in this epic of God in the life of Abraham and Moses that give some meaning to what it means to be the Lamb of God. First one, again, we go back to Acts 2 and look at Abraham. And uh, this is in Genesis uh, chapter 22. Um, that tells us about uh, Abraham's lamb and the, the lamb and how this could have meaning to when John called Jesus the Lamb of God. Now, uh, for those that uh, weren't with us, because um, I'm sure those that were, you remember everything in, in detail, uh, but Abraham was the one chosen by God to, to begin really the, the nation of Israel. If you remember our memory verse yeah, it's uh, in, in Genesis chapter 12. Yeah, it's, God tells Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. So that you will be a blessing to the world. I will bless those that bless you. And those that curse you, I will curse. In you, every family in the earth will be blessed. Do you hear echoes of that? In what John called Jesus? In you, every family on the earth will be blessed. And what was Jesus in John's mouth? You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is over a thousand, this is millennia. And yet, in Abram's promise, you're hearing John the Baptist echo that. All right, well, in, in Genesis chapter 22, remember, Abraham, he's going to have all these descendants, but he doesn't have any children. And he doesn't have the son with his wife until he's 100 years old. He has Isaac. And after Isaac grows, what is Abraham called by God to do? But to take Isaac on a little, let's go hiking up Mount Moriah. And we'll go up Mount Moriah, and up there, God tells Abraham, I want you to, I want you to sacrifice your son, Isaac. To me, 
And Abraham, trusting God, goes up the mountain. And there, he's about to slit his son's throat. And God, Abraham, look! And there was a ram caught in the thicket. The the lamb of God provided for Abraham as he is about to sacrifice his only son. God provides a lamb as a substitute for Isaac. Moses, oh, centuries later, He he comes on the scene. He's the one, still in this Acts 2, he's the one that is called to lead the the people of Israel out of slavery. They're they're now in Egypt, they're enslaved, and Moses is the one who's called, that chosen one, sent by God, to lead the people, to deliver them from slavery. Yet Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they're not going to let them go. And so God brings judgments upon them, plagues upon them. And the last of the ten plagues is that God will send the angel of death to kill the firstborn. And Moses tells Israel, this is how, this is what we are to do on this day. In this plague of God, what we are to do, we are to sacrifice a lamb. Take the lamb's blood Paint it on our door frames. And then the angel of death that God sends as judgment will pass over our homes and will not bring his judgment upon us. The blood of the Lamb delivers us from God's judgment and then frees us from the bonds of slavery into the promised land. The, the lamb in Abraham, the land, uh, the, the lamb in Moses. Again, it's, if, if you're one that likes to go back and look at that, it's Genesis 22 and Exodus 12. And there's others. I, there's some great passages in Isaiah, but like I said, you know, you got to choose what you're not going to say. So, but you can go look in Isaiah and see other times where Isaiah says that God will send one who will be the suffering servant. On our behalf. So what does it mean then. That John calls Jesus the the Lamb of God. Well in the first century hearers. And the the Jews of his day. They would have heard. And they would have thought of those stories. And other. That then would fill that with meaning. That would mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Who comes to take our place. Jesus is the the Lamb of God who is the one to sacrifice for our benefit. He is the one to, to suffer for us, to free us from the judgment of God, to deliver us from sin and slavery and bondage and to bring forgiveness. Uh, One of the words we use is atonement, to atone for our sin, to pay for our sin. Jesus takes our place. 
Jesus dies for us. Jesus rescues us from God's judgment and sets us free to live with him forever. You know, and what's amazing, if you think about then, think about Act 2 and Act 3 and, and the, the, the events that I've just you know, briefly recounted. You know, they're, they're millennia apart. And yet the author of this epic has had this theme since the beginning. That Jesus would come to fulfill and be the Savior of the world. To take away the sin of the world. To be the fulfillment of His promise to Abraham that through you every family of the earth will be blessed. And the great thing about God being the author of this epic is that His books are written in history. They're they're not works of fiction. They're not just a nice moral tale. They're not a a, a powerful fable. They're not just a wish. They are real. They are written in real space and time, real flesh and blood. And they accomplish their purposes. If you want to be free from sin, if you want to be free from God's judgment, if you want to be free from those things that hold us captive, if you want to live with God forever, then be like Abraham, trusting all along the hike, knowing that God has provided a lamb. Be like those in Moses' day who let the blood of the lamb cover our sin, our whole lives, so that the judgment of God passes over us. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes our place. Not because He's nice and soft and sweet and cuddly, but because He is filled with faith and trust in His Father and love for you and me. That he is willing to go to the cross knowing he's in the hands of the Father who raises him up. And he is willing because he loves you and me and knows that his blood will cover us and deliver us from the judgment of God, the bondage of sin and death, and free us to life with God forever. This is the good news. This is the great news. John the Apostle writes just a few chapters later, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son to condemn the world. Didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This is the grand completion of his rescue of the world. You know, I wish, I wish that I could be a universalist. 
I really want to be. You know what a universalist is? It's one that believes everybody is saved by Jesus, whether you acknowledge him or not. That universal, you know, that, that his saving work is universal for all. I'd love to believe that. The only problem is the Bible just doesn't teach it anywhere. Now, the invitation is universal. And it is a little bit of our failure to not make that invitation clear and precise to any and all around the world. And that's certainly our challenge and our, one of our responsibilities, but that's in a couple weeks. But it's clear, I mean, this, the stories that make up that Jesus is the Lamb of God, there are those whose God's judgment passes over and there are those whose God's judgment doesn't. And even what I just read, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, John 3, 16 and beyond, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Our memory verse for this last week, that we handed out on the cards last, uh, um, last Sunday, in John chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 12. Let's say this um, together. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. You know, it's an, sort of an if-then statement. I mean, it, this is it. But, but to all who received not to all. Yes, he died for the sins of the world. And to all who received him, who believe in his name, are given the power of becoming children of God. Of having all that is true of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection applied in our lives. Are you scared of God's judgment? You don't need to be. I don't care who you are, what you've done, how many times you've done it. If you're scared of God's judgment, you do not need to be because what Jesus accomplished on the cross frees us from the bondage of fear. Frees us from the bondage of the fear of God's judgment because He has satisfied God's wrath. His work, totally, completely, the work of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Are you caught up enslaved to evil or enslaved to fear, enslaved to disobedience, or maybe even just enslaved to mediocrity? You've just given up, holding on, thinking God's forgotten you. God sent His Son to die for you. To forgive you. To free you from whatever is enslaving you, holding you back from Him. To tear down those walls so that you might live with Him today and every day. And that death, your death, physical death, won't even get in the way of that. But you don't have to wait until your physical death. He died so that you might walk with Him 
today. And that's been his plan. Isn't this amazing? That's been his plan since the beginning. And he has carried it out. Been faithful to his plan over these millennia. From his promise to Abraham and even before. Through Moses and the rest of the story. To now the pinnacle of introducing Jesus as the Lamb of God. This is grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's a scandal. It's a scandal. It's just, I, every time that I say it, I have a hard time wrapping my whole self around it. That I simply believe and receive what Jesus has done for me, totally and completely, that I can add nothing to nor take anything away from. Because His grace is so great. And the same is true for you. Now, now most of you in here can, can think back to a time or, of repentance, where repentance, which is what when, when the, the gospel was shared in the New Testament, when this good news is shared, what did Jesus and his immediate followers say to people when they said, "Okay, well, what do I do?" And they said, "Repent and be baptized." They just turn, follow Jesus. Stop following whatever lies you're following and follow Jesus. Make him the trajectory of your life, the direction of your greatest desires, of all your desires. Turn and follow him and be baptized as a sign and seal of God's cleansing power, of his deliverance, of his salvation and rescue of you. Turn and be baptized in him. Now, most of you in here have been baptized. And whether you remember it or not, that's not the important part. Doesn't matter what you remember about it or not, because there's going to come a day when you don't remember it. What's important is the God who is present at that baptism. And the death and the life and the resurrection of the one in whose name you were baptized. And the power of the Holy Spirit in whom you were baptized. That's what we celebrate. That's the one who is faithful. And what we do today, for those that's true of us, then we celebrate that baptism. Here's my challenge to you this week. Every time you use water to cleanse yourself. Rejoice in your baptism. Every time, you shave, you wash, you shower. Every time you wash your hands, you can see the dirt go or you can't see the germs go. Whatever it is, celebrate your baptism that you have been cleansed. That Jesus is your Savior and He has taken away your sin. Celebrate your baptism. When you brush your teeth. Every time you use water to be cleansed this week, celebrate your baptism. Maybe with that, uh, one of the, the, the prayers of, of the Bible, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe, maybe that's what you say when your brother, Jesus, say in your mind. You know, you know, and if you're in a public bathroom, you want to say it out loud, go right ahead. Say it with me. I'll say it one more time. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Every time you you wash yourself, 
remember the waters of baptism. They're a sign and seal that Jesus has taken away the sin of the world and your sin and all of its consequences before God. Now, there's some of you who are here who are just thinking about this. Yeah, you're, you're just not sure. You're, you're, and I'm, I'm glad you're here. Invite your friends to, to come and explore. You know, what is it? Who is Jesus? What is he about? What is he, do? What, what is he a part of? If you find yourself today saying, I want to believe that. I, I, I want to believe. I want to repent. I want to, I want to be freed from whatever it is that is holding you tight. Whether it's fear, anxiety, evil, whatever it might be. You want to be released from that. Delivered from that. In, invite you to come. You know, tell me. Uh, to come into the prayer room after the service. There'll be elders there. Love to join with you in prayer um, around that. You might still be wondering and thinking about exploring that. Well, there's a, a class Thursday nights that's designed just for you called Christianity Explored. The details are in your bulletin. It includes a meal, free meal, so you, know, you can't go wrong there. It's good. It's good food there. And, and it's designed for people to ask questions, to explore. What does it mean? Who really is Jesus? There's a lot of bad press outside in the secular world of exactly who Jesus is. And i got to own, as the church, we haven't done the greatest job of giving Jesus such great press. But that's an opportunity for you that's designed to explore just who Jesus is before you, you take such a commitment of turning your life over to him. Because that's, that's what it means to believe in him, to receive him, is to turn and follow him with all of our life. In God's grand epic, this is the great pinnacle of the rescue. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Amen.